Like always, I really want to honor and thank the Lord my God, or our God, for even being up here today and worshiping and, and speaking today. It's always an honor being up here, and, and I, really, I really honor him and, and, and love him for that. Um, if it was in my own account, I wouldn't be here, but the Lord, our God, leads us and guides us into all truth, and, and we're here. This morning, I'm going to be continuing on the series of Revealing Jesus, and we've been on this since October, and uh, we're looking at the life, the character, the works, and the heart of Jesus through the Gospel of John. And, uh, and if, you, if you're not familiar with the Gospel of John, J- the Gospel of John has a whole purpose with his Gospel, and, and really is to reveal that Jesus Christ is God himself, and by believing in that, we will have eternal life. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be continuing on from chapter 10 uh, from the Gospel of John. I'm going to be doing the first uh, 20 verses or thereabouts, 18 or 19 verses, and then next week I'll be continuing on. But uh, we, when we're reading the Gospel of John, and I guess any, any scripture for that matter, we need to remember that uh, chapters and verses were only added later on. So I think it's the 13th century they added uh, chapters, and then in the 16th century they added, I've been doing church history, so I know about it, 16th century they added verses. So, But it, it, it is good because it's quick to reference the Bible, but sometimes it's hard because the, the, the books are written in a story, and this is a continuation. So when you're reading the Gospel of John, for example, it's a story, and you're reading the whole lot. And uh, we're doing our best to break it down. And uh, But this one in particular, it's a direct continuation from John chapter 9, chapter 10 is. So remember, there's no chapters, there's no verses, it's a continuation. And Jesus, he's having a conversation with the religious leaders. I don't know if you remember it last week, but uh, I encourage you to go home and read 8, eight 9, 10. It's all to do with that conversation that's going on. Um, and as we saw last week... The religious leaders, they were really jealous of Jesus and they, they were offended. They had the hatred towards Jesus and they, they, they were on a course to kill him. Actually, in fact, by the time you get to chapter 10, uh, they've already tried to kill Jesus three times. So you could see the amount of hatred and, and, and evil in their hearts. And, um, they, they, what they did too was they made a law against Jesus and they said anybody that claims Jesus to be the Messiah, they're going to be put out of the temple. This guy is no good. We don't want him here. We're offended. We don't like him. Get him out of here. And, uh, and that's what they were doing. Their offense, it blinded them so much. We saw that last week in chapter nine. They couldn't even recognize this miracle that Jesus had done with this uh, this blind man, which is what the story is about, this blind man was healed. He was born blind and he was healed and he could see. But they were completely offended. And as Yvonne did a great job last week, he's not here, but he's watching online, so hello to you. Um, they couldn't see beyond their offenses. And he used the, 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 the analogy or the illustration of, of a trolley in a shopping center. And uh, I'm wondering how many people actually went to the shopping center and started pulling trolleys away. Ah, David, <laughs> there's always one in the crowd. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, it, was a, it was a picture of when you're offended, all you can see is other people's offense and you can't see your own. 
And that's the, what Yvonne uh, was, was explaining. Then the chapter ends with Jesus de- declaring a judgment over these religious leaders because of their blindness to the truth and the fact that they couldn't even admit their own sin. And now we continue into chapter 10, and Jesus is still in Jerusalem, still talking to the same people, still talking to the religious leaders. The blind man's there, or now healed. He's, you can see the disciples are there, the crowds are there, the religious leaders are all there. And Jesus, he uses a familiar pastoral scene. He uses a description of sheep and shepherds, which is very familiar in the Old Testament that God is the shepherd, which we heard today in the scripture, the Lord is our shepherd. And there's many references to the shepherd uh, in the Old Testament. So Jesus, he uses a familiar description so that, that those that he's talking to understand what he's saying. And he's going to address these religious leaders on the way they've treated this blind man uh, that was healed. So we start in John 10 verse 1. Truly I tell you, and I'm doing it from the CSB. <clears throat> Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen, sorry, by the way, let me just pause there. I think, Raquel, you did print out notes. So if anyone wants translation in Spanish or Chinese, please feel free, you can read along, you can go and grab one on the table over there. But if you understand English, great. <clears throat> That's good. Jesus accepts all people, everyone. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. So the way that sheep were cared for back in those times was very different than the way that we understand. I mean, we understand commercial farming. We see thousands of sheep, and we see helicopters and sheep dogs and uh, quad bikes or horses, whatever it might be, four drives trying to herd the sheep. Uh, and that's how we understand it. But in those days, very different. Each community had shepherds. Each community had shepherds, and each shepherd had their own set of sheep that they personally looked after. And these sheep, they recognized their shepherds. They recognized the voice of their shepherds. They, you know, they didn't need the sheepdog to run around them. They can hear the voice, or sometimes it would be like a flute, I think it is, or not a trumpet, I think it's a flute. Um, So these shepherds will allow their sheep to walk around these open fields, and at the end of each day, all the shepherds will gather their sheep, call them out, hey, come, 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 come. Bring them over, however they'll do it, probably in Arabic or some other language. And they will pay, and then they will pay a gatekeeper, bring them to this central pen within the community. They will pay a gatekeeper, all of them will pitch in, because, you know, not much money those days, so all pitch in for this gatekeeper to look after the sheep at night while they all go to bed, go to sleep. And the, this gatekeeper's looking after the, the sheep. And he's protecting them from predators and thieves. Then in the morning, the sheeps get up. Uh, the shepherds get up. They go to the gatekeeper and say, hey, I want my sheep. Okay, go in. Hey, sheep, let's go. And he takes them out to greener pastures. So that was a pretty lovely story, that one. But um, that's how it, it was happening back then. And Jesus, he uses this illustration of the sheep and the shepherd 
to point out that the religious leaders of Israel, they were the false shepherds. That even though these false shepherds, if they were to go to the gate, the sheep will not listen, those that are called by God. And, and Jesus, he's using this illustration, is saying, these guys are not good shepherds. They were not even God's sheep. Jesus calls them thieves and robbers because they didn't protect God's sheep. They mistreated them and led them astray. Instead of leading the people, God's people, to the shepherd of salvation, they robbed God's people and they robbed them of the knowledge of truth and entering the kingdom of God. So the religious leaders could not understand, even though Jesus used a perfect illustration because everyone knew sheep and shepherd back then. I mean, that's how they were eating. Um, but they still could not understand. In verse 6, it said, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So the religious leaders, like that shopping trolley moment, the religious leaders, they were so full of hatred, they couldn't see, they couldn't recognize that Jesus was using the same language of the Old Testament Scripture. Jesus, he was using the same language in Ezekiel when he was rebuking them. You see, the prophet Ezekiel, 600 years before Christ, he came, he got a word from the Lord, and he spoke up, and he wrote it down. And he speaks of a coming day when these religious leaders will be judged by God. In Ezekiel 34, 1-4, it's pretty long, it's, I'm not going to read it all. So it's uh, 30, I think it's 31 or 32 chapters. Please go and read it and you'll see the, the similarities of John chapter 10 and Ezekiel 34 uh, and the way that Jesus is speaking these first uh, 20 odd uh, verses. So in Ezekiel 34, 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals. But you do not tend to the flock. Pretty pretty ugly scenery, but that does happen. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. See, the religious leaders, they were supposed to be God's under-shepherds, and they were supposed to lead God's people to the flock, to the Father, to the gate of, to that gate of salvation. But instead they robbed God's people. Their greed, selfishness, they fed them lies, they abused them, and all kinds of personal gain. And then we see later on in, in verse 22 in Ezekiel that God has a plan to save his people. Uh, and he calls them his flock, referring to the sheep again. And that's where we get this, uh, the similarities. Ezekiel 34, 22, uh, t- uh, 34, 22, 24. I will save my flock. This is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. I will save my flock. They will no longer be prey, and I will judge between one sheep and another. I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself, and he will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. That's powerful. Reading that and, and hearing the Lord's voice and, and through all of that, it's such a powerful scripture. So I encourage you to read that in your own time. So God, through Ezekiel, he's announcing the one shepherd will come from the lineage of David. And obviously it's not David because David was, you know, long, long and gone. And then we see that Jesus, 
is the lineage of David. And, and that's uh, written out in, in the Gospel of Matthew and I think in, in the Gospel of Luke. So Jesus is the son of man that uh, in, in Ezekiel. He's the son of man, the one that Ezekiel is talking about. Jesus is the shepherd and God sets Jesus as a true shepherd of God's people. Jesus is the one true shepherd that fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies. And in the illustration in John uh, chapter 10 about the shepherd and the sheep, Jesus is saying, this blind man was healed. He's telling them now. He's saying, hey, this blind man was healed. But he wasn't just healed physically. He was healed spiritually. His eyes were opened. He recognized the Christ before him. He saw him. He saw the true shepherd sent by God to deliver God's people. And even though these religious leaders mocked, shamed, rejected him, booted him out of the temple, he's like, you know what? I've seen my God and I know my God. He still confessed Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. The blind man believes and he worships God and he worships Jesus. See, this blind man recognized the voice of the shepherd. This blind man trusted the voice of the shepherd. He followed the voice of the shepherd. See, and that's usually what happens in our lives when we, you know, come to know Jesus for the first time or we, when we open our lives to Christ. See, the Bible says that we were in darkness. We were, you know, taken or uh, uh, living in the selfish desires and taken with the desires of our flesh and in a self-absorbed life. We're blind to the spiritual things of God. And like me, maybe, maybe you knew God at that point. Maybe you knew him, but, you know, or, or even growing up in a traditional church like me, but our eyes were still blinded. My eyes were still blinded to the truth. My eyes were still blinded to know Jesus. But when Jesus called you out of the darkness, when Jesus calls you out of the darkness and heals your blind eyes, just like it did the blind man, you recognize the lies and the thief. You recognize the false shepherds this world has has to offer. And you recognize the true shepherd's voice and you follow him. Like me, maybe you resisted at first. Maybe when you heard about the gospel and you're like, what's, what's my family going to think? What's my, what's my friends going to think? What are my work colleagues going to think? What are people going to think about me? Maybe you felt condemned like me. Maybe you felt like, you know, you didn't feel worthy. It's like, am I going to do the right thing? I don't know. But like the blind man who was healed, you followed him anyway. You're here. Because your spirit recognized the true shepherd. Your spirit knew this is the only way, the only truth, the only life. Your spirit became desperate for God, desperate to know him. You desire to pursue him. You desire to seek him. You desire to personally know him when your eyes are open because you recognize his voice, the one true shepherd of your soul. See, Jesus says in that, I think it's verse 5, where he says that you will never follow a stranger's voice. And we know sometimes that that is that doesn't happen because maybe over the years, over the years you might, I mean, follow, I mean overall he's talking about it in the scheme of, of your overall life. But maybe over the years, you might have been led astray in your journey with Christ. Maybe over the years, you know, you've turned to the worldly ways. I mean, and, and it's only normal sometimes because we're in a broken world. 
We don't understand the truth. We're living in a world of darkness, temptations all around us, and we get led astray. Or maybe even some of us might have been led astray by a religious thief, like the religious leaders. In your pursuit to Christ, a religious thief come in and stolen from you. But Jesus says that you are his sheep. Jesus says you will always be his. Jesus says that your spirit will recognize his voice and you can recognize him, you can repent and you can follow him again, no matter how astray you might have gone. Those who believe recognize his voice and they follow him. Christ knows the believer and the believer knows Christ. They recognize his voice and they're one true shepherd of their lives. I'm getting excited, eh? Man, I'm getting so excited. Sorry. I'm about to start doing backflips, but I'll do that later. <laughs> I don't look excited. That's okay. Usually pretty placid. John 10, 7 to 9. We, we goes on. Jesus said again, truly I, I say, to, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I mean, I just want to put a little note in there that Jesus is not talking about prophets like Moses and Daniel and Jeremiah. He's talking about these religious leaders, okay? He's not saying that all of them back there. He's talking about these religious leaders that were thieving. Verse 9, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and out uh, and go out and find pasture. See, this is the third great I am statement. It's the third great I am statement in the Gospel of John. It's a direct reference from the Old Testament. We see that in Exodus uh, chapter 3, where God calls himself the great I am. And Jesus Christ is calling himself the great I am. We saw in chapter 6 that Jesus said that I am the bread of life. We saw in chapter 8 that Jesus said, I am the light in the world. Now Jesus is saying, I am the gate. And what he's saying is, Jesus is the only gate. He is the only gate to salvation. He is the only way to our Father in heaven. Now, the religious leaders, they thought they had other ways to get to God and get to their salvation in heaven. They thought, they said, that, you know what, they rejected Jesus. They didn't need these hard sayings. I mean, they were convicting him, them. They didn't want to, you know, get convicted. They're like, hey, we know the words. They relied on their own interpretation of the word. They relied on their own interpretation of the Old Testament scriptures, which was very much about their own agenda, by the way. They relied on their own heritage as God's chosen people. They relied on their own religious practices to get them into the kingdom of heaven. And like the religious leaders of that time, many Christians today can get caught up in all of this, trying to find a way to get to the kingdom of God. Many try the religious dead, dead works route. Try a different route. I'm going to try religious works by doing more. Others try the man-made traditional route with more religious practices. Others try the self-righteous route. I look good. I'm doing all right. Pretty good. And a lot of think, Christians think, well, I come to church. And if I come to church and if I volunteer, 
in church more, do more and serve more, if I give more money, if I sing louder, if I pray harder, then maybe I will be a good Christian. And then maybe God will be pleased with me. And then maybe I will have my true assurance into salvation in the kingdom of heaven. But this is not the truth. And because it is not the truth, it will eventually lead people away from Christ, away from their true shepherds. Yes, serving, worshipping, and giving are powerful responses to our salvation. But that itself is not salvation. What matters most is that we genuinely believe and follow Jesus. What matters most is we genuinely believe Jesus, the gate, the only way to our salvation and our genuine transformation. We can't substitute a genuine relationship with Jesus with religious dead works, man-made traditions, and self-righteous babble. (laughs) Many have tried, and many have walked away. Praise the Lord. And in this time right now, Jesus is calling his sheep to genuinely follow him. Jesus is calling his people back to his truth and back to his love. Jesus is stripping away all the religious distractions. He's stripping all of that down, tearing down all the man-made ways that churches have invented to get to God. He's exposing the false teachers and false teachings, and he is awakening his true sheep. He is awakening those that know his voice and genuinely want to follow him and obey him. And all who recognize him, all who recognize the shepherd, the true shepherd, will genuinely repent and follow him with their whole heart, mind, and strength. So Jesus goes on in verse 10. And this is quoted many times in churches. Verse 10, 10, uh, John 10, 10, 10, 10. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. You see, false prophets come in and promise a good life. False promise, uh, uh, false prophets come in and they promise prosperity and wealth and all the good things that the world can offer. False shepherds, they appeal to the human greed. They appeal to the human selfishness. And what that does, it breeds Christians who seek Jesus to achieve their own selfish agendas. Jesus says, these false shepherds, they are thieves. They do not care about the flock. They only care about themselves. False shepherds make empty promises and do not lead people to the true shepherd. They deceive by showing a form of godliness, but deny the very transformational power of God. Jesus says that they steal, kill, and destroy the soul. Just had to elaborate on that one. But Jesus is the true shepherd, and only Jesus can make a genuine promise of abundant life. Not a life of riches, not a life of connecting more material things. He's not promising that abundance. Because sometimes we, our brain goes there straight away. But a true abundant life in Christ, which is filled with peace, inner joy, and rest. The very satisfaction that our soul desires and money cannot buy. 
and the very satisfaction in Christ we have all we need. Antoinette read Psalm 23, such a powerful uh, job you did, and thank you for your testimony. But in that Psalm 23, it says, when the Lord is our shepherd, that is, when we make Jesus our true shepherd, when we surrender our desires for his desires, when we surrender our desires for the things of this world, when we remove the religious, traditional, and self-righteous distractions, and we genuinely follow and obey him, we will have everything we need. Our one true shepherd of our soul will renew and refresh our lives. He leads us along the right path. We read that. You will fear no evil. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, meaning even though you face many trials, even though we face many obstacles, and yes, troubles will come, you will know that he is still your great shepherd and he will never abandon you. Our life will always overflow with his faithfulness and his goodness. Jesus promises all who enter through the gate, Jesus, the gate, that is all who believe and genuinely follow and obey Jesus will be satisfied. Christ is all we need because Jesus, he is the living water. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world and he awakens every believer to this truth. We need to hold on to these truths. We need to hold on to the truths of the great I am, the one true shepherd of our lives. So Jesus continues in verse, time all right? Time's good? Okay. Maybe we're going to be too long now, I'm all right. <laughs> Jesus continues in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he has a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. So this is the fourth I am statement in John's gospel. Jesus is saying that I am the good shepherd. We've already been speaking it already. But now Jesus finally reveals himself as the good shepherd of the Old Testament to the people. And he is the one that will lead people into an abundant life in Christ. And unlike a false shepherd that doesn't protect his sheep and only cares for themselves, Jesus will die for his people. And we saw that sacrificial love displayed on the cross. Those who believe are his people because he, he bought us with his blood. And we continue to John ten fourteen. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay, I lay down my, my life for the sheep. Jesus knows his genuine believers in a personal, intimate way. And he compares this personal, intimate relationship with his own relationship with the Father. You see, we can have an intimate, personal relationship with Christ because Jesus made the way possible. Then Jesus says in, in John 10, 16, 
But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one, flo- one flock, one shepherd. See, Jesus was talking about the gospel being beyond the borders of Israel and beyond into the Gentile world, which is, thank God, us. And Jesus calls all them to the Father in heaven. And he's saying that there, w- there will be one sheepfold, Jews and Gentiles. And Paul the Apostle, he explains it like this in Galatians 26, 29. For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew, no Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in, in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. This is the church that the good shepherd is building. A church that extends an invite to all people. Christ extends his love, his salvation to all people because he loves all people. And those who hear the voice of the true shepherd will follow Jesus. And sometimes we can feel uncomfortable when, you know, we open our doors to all walks of life. We are from different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses. We prefer to be comfortable in our church. But Jesus, that's not what that's about. It's not what that's about. And sometimes we just prefer to accommodate people that look like us, smell like us, act like us. But his his church, Jesus' church that he's building, is not about that. It's not about our comfort or how comfortable we are. His church, the purposes of his church, is to gather his true followers of Christ. Jesus calls his followers by name, and they will come. And we need to be ready. And we need to allow the overflow of God's love in our heart to flow onto those around us. And can I call up the band, please? So Jesus continues. Last, um, hopefully it's the last verse. Last verse. Last verses. He continues in verse 17. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. See, it's important for us to remember that Jesus' death on the cross was voluntary. Jesus, he wasn't a victim of his enemies. He wasn't taken away by men. He wasn't taken away by these thieves or these robbers. They didn't just simply overwhelm him and kill him. Pilate didn't overpower him. The religious leaders didn't overpower him. The crowds didn't overpower him or have no power on him because Jesus, he is sovereign over all things, even in his death and resurrection. Jesus, who is life, who is the source of all life, cannot have his life taken away without his own will. Jesus has a divine authority to give up his life and divine authority to take it up in resurrection. Jesus is in complete unity, which is our last part. Uh, I've received this command from my Father. Jesus is in complete unity with the Father and has full authority to come into this world to save his people. Jesus came here to call his people. 
in his divine authority, he lays down his life for his people to save his people because he loves his people. This is why Jesus is our good shepherd. He lays down his life for his people. Jesus calls every one of you by name. He desires an intimate relationship with every one of you. Jesus, he is calling you to follow him. Free from religious dead works. Free from man-made traditions. Free from self-righteous living. Jesus is calling you to live an abundant life. No longer bound by the ways of this world. Bound by the lusts, the greed, the temptations of this world. Jesus will lead you. He will guide you. Jesus will lead you to an abundant life. A life of true satisfaction for our souls. So right now, would you surrender your life to the Good Shepherd? Would you trust in the Good Shepherd? Your Good Shepherd will never abandon you. So would you follow him with your whole heart, mind, soul and strength? Let's bow our heads and we can pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you so much for this rich word this morning. Actually, we're only scratching the surface with this amazing knowledge and revelations of your words. And it seems, God, that the clearer we know your word, the clearer your word shines through us. Thank you, Jesus, for being the gate of our salvation. Thank you for being our true shepherd, always leading us to an abundant life. Thank you, Jesus, for never abandoning us, even when at times we have been led astray. Jesus, we ask that you will open up our blind eyes. Help us to see life clearly through the eyes of your truth. Help us to not be distracted with the things of this world, but always be tuned in to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for always leading us to the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Give us the courage, the passion, the desire to genuinely follow and obey you, Jesus. Let us always be satisfied in that abundant life that you came to bring us, that life of peace that the world cannot give, that life of joy regardless of our situations, and that rest for our souls, even though when the world is around us going crazy, we can still be at rest. We can still be at peace. We can still be at joy because we trust in our Good Shepherd. Thank you, Lord. And right now I pray for anybody that, is, that feels like they've been led astray in their walk with Jesus.
or even if they haven't been walking with Jesus, let me pray with you and you can repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you are the good shepherd. You came to save my life from darkness. Forgive me for being led astray. I repent of my ways. Would you lead me to an abundant life of Christ? Thank you, Lord.